Good morning, Christ Prez. Our scripture reading today is Psalm 23. Hear the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last week, we began to look at Psalm 23. Uh, it's the most famous psalm, but because it's become so familiar, the danger is that we would assume we know it without really knowing it. The danger is that we would be able to recite it without having any idea how to live it, that we would have it memorized without knowing it by heart. What would your life look like if you really believed and lived on the basis of the reality that the Lord is your shepherd? For years and years, I've had Psalm 23 memorized, but I feel like I'm just beginning to learn it by heart. One of my prayers for us is that as individuals and a congregation, we would more and more know this by heart. We would know it in our heart. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. We looked at that opening verse last week. God is our shepherd. And because of that, we have everything we need. We lack nothing. The rest of the psalm really just elaborates on that basic reality. What does it look like to have the Lord as our shepherd? What does having everything we need include? What does it mean to lack nothing? Psalm 23 shows us that one aspect of having everything we need is having a shepherd who leads us. Now, that might not immediately resonate with you as one of your deepest needs. Someone to lead you someone to get you where you need to go, someone to make sure that you arrive at your destination. These days, uh, when you have a smartphone with GPS capabilities, who needs a shepherd? In March of this year, Libby and I celebrated our 20th anniversary. We went to the little island of St. Martin where we had reserved an Airbnb. So we, so we jumped on a plane and the pilot turned out to be a fine shepherd. I mean, he got us to St. Martin all right. And there we were met by a young woman who worked for a rental car company who also turned out to be an adequate shepherd. She loaded us into her car and she drove us to the place so that we could pick up our rental car. So now we had our car and our next step on the journey was to drive ourselves to the Airbnb where we would meet the owner and check in. So we get into our rental car and I pull out my phone. No service. Libby pulls out her phone. No service. We had a general idea that we needed to head north and west to the French part of the island. But other than that, I mean, we were basically helpless. We were sheep without a shepherd. Now, the weird thing is, Libby wasn't worried at all. She was confident that we would just be able to set off driving in, in the general direction and somehow arrive at our little apartment. I was less optimistic. When I observed our surroundings, I noticed that the island wasn't set up in such a way that there was only one road leading in one direction with a huge neon sign way off in the distance illuminating our destination. 
Now, I noticed a lot of different roads leading in a lot of different directions. I noticed a lot of different buildings, and I just didn't see how we were going to do this. Well, long story short, we eventually stopped to ask someone for help. I asked Libby to do the asking for help. And it turned out that we were right across the street from where we needed to be. <laughs> now, I say all that only because Libby has encouraged me to share more stories when I preach. But you know this, your phone is not a good shepherd. It can tell you where to go sometimes, but it can't really lead you, not in the ways that you need to be led. It doesn't care for you on the journey. Our psalm confidently, joyfully declares that we have a shepherd who leads us. Let's explore this by simply asking first, where does he lead us? And then second, in light of where he leads us, how do we trust him with leading us? Okay, so first, where does he lead us? Where does our good shepherd lead us? First, look again at verse two. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Good shepherds make sure to lead their sheep to places where the sheep can be nourished and where they can find rest. One of the gifts our good shepherd gives us is the gift of refreshment, nourishment, rest. He leads us to places where our souls are restored. I wonder where are these times and places in your life? And maybe at times you experience um, this place, this our life together as Christ prays, as a green pasture. Maybe sometimes the Lord leads you into a rich conversation with a trusted friend and you feel your soul being restored. Maybe you literally go sit for a while beside some still water and you have a sense of your good shepherd's loving care. You know, I got to experience a lot of green pastures and still waters during my sabbatical, and it was so wonderful. But one of the things I learned was that I could so easily miss the goodness of it if I wasn't attentive to the good shepherd. I could so easily take it for granted if I wasn't calling to mind the reality that A, I have a good shepherd, and B, he's leading me. I realized that my default tendency is to live my life as if I'm basically my own leader. And then these places and times of refreshment and rest and restoration of soul were either just completely natural and randomly happening to me, or I was responsible for them happening, but they weren't gifts. In order to see that they were signs of the Good Shepherd's leadership, I had to fix my mind on that reality. And doing that, fixing the presence of the Good Shepherd in my mind actually transformed the experience for me. I was no longer just living my life. I was being led. There's an invitation in this psalm to um, intentionally call this reality to mind, to reframe our lives as lives that are cared for by another. Like We aren't the ones in charge. We have a leader. And so the invitation is to receive all of the green pastures and still waters that come our way as gifts of our good shepherd's leadership. He leads us into green pastures besides still waters. He leads us to places of nourishment and refreshment and rest. I wonder where are the green pastures and still waters in your life? Maybe they're right there in front of you and you just haven't recognized them as gifts from your good shepherd. Maybe they're right around the next bend in the trail and the call is to keep following a little farther. Maybe, 
But it's hard to know, right? I mean, when Libby and I were on our anniversary trip, it felt like green pastures and still waters once we finally found the place. But we all know that uh, things don't always work out so well. I mean, we, we could have spent hours and hours and hours searching with no luck. Like we have a good shepherd leading us, but there's more to our experience than green pastures and still waters. Psalm 23 shows us that our good shepherd also leads us through the dark valley right through the valley of the shadow of death. And I wonder if you believe that, and I wonder if you've come to terms with it, not just that valleys happen, but that the Good Shepherd leads us through them. Most of us have no problem with green pastures and still waters, but what about the valley of the shadow of death? What about the valley of deep darkness? See, we don't like that. We think a Good Shepherd wouldn't lead us there. Sometimes we talk as if following Jesus is a guaranteed way to actually bypass the dark valleys of life. Like, to the extent that we're really following him, we'll be up in the mountain meadows, not down in the dark gorges. To the extent that we're really being led by Jesus, we'll be in the light, and we'll see clearly, and life will be pleasant. Like, if the Lord is our shepherd we won't ever feel forsaken. And then what happens when you find yourself in a dark place, a place of trouble and suffering, a place of hopelessness and disappointment, a place where you doubt the presence of God, a place where you doubt his goodness, where his help feels entirely non-existent, like where what you most love and cherish has been taken from you, where uh, like what you most... Um, feel that you need is not provided, where your deepest prayers feel like they're just going unanswered. Like, what happens then? Well, then it can only mean one thing. You've lost the way. You're off the path. Somehow you strayed down into a dark place where where you were never meant to be. And meanwhile, your good shepherd is up there on the hilltops where everything is full of life. And with him are all the sheep who somehow knew better than to wander down into the darkness. No, no. Look at verse four. It doesn't say, even though life was once painful and difficult, now that I've got God in my life, everything is fine. It doesn't say, now that the Lord is my shepherd, things are really easy and happy all the time. It says, the Lord is my shepherd and I am walking through deep darkness. The Lord is my shepherd and I am in the valley of the shadow of death. You see, family, there are times of being led beside still waters. There are times of resting in green pastures. There are times of refreshment and deep joy. And there are also times of walking through dark valleys. And Psalm 23 just frees us to be honest about this. When we walk through the valley, we don't have to deny the darkness. The valley is a true part of the Christian experience. And I wonder, can you trust the good shepherd in it? Well, now let's turn to this second point and ask, how can we trust him? In light of where he leads us, how do we trust this shepherd? One of the remarkable things about Jesus' ministry was how explicit he was about being a shepherd who was leading his sheep. He referred to his disciples as his little flock. 
He identified himself as the good shepherd, and he called his disciples to follow him. Remember, in Mark's gospel especially, the entire project of discipleship is cast in terms of following Jesus on the way. Jesus is very intentionally, explicitly offering himself to us as a leader. Receiving him means that we no longer lead our own lives. We get behind him. And that's hard. I resist it, and I bet you do too. I mean, often what happens is that we go to Jesus and we bring with us our vision of the good life, which is usually a life filled with green pastures and still waters, and we basically say, all right, Jesus, here's the plan. Now I'd like you to help me implement this. Help me make this a reality. We go to Jesus because we want him to serve our vision. We want him to help us get the lives we really want. Essentially, Jesus becomes a means to an end that we've already determined for ourselves. But learning to say, the Lord is my shepherd, is learning to give that up. It's learning to acknowledge that we really are like sheep, who are utterly dependent on our shepherd for our lives. We don't know where to go, not really. All we can do is follow the good shepherd. Family, Jesus wants to lead you. Do you want to be led? And do you trust him to lead you? When we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus issue the call to follow him. And the call, remember, is just extremely clear from the very outset. I mean, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's like, spoiler alert, whether or not there will be any green pastures and still waters, there is definitely going to be a dark valley. Jesus knows exactly where he's where he's going. Um, but his disciples don't really get it. Neither do we. If we were among the first crowds to which Jesus issued the call of discipleship, and if we heard our shepherd's voice and knew it and began to follow him, where would we go and what would we see? Well, we would be led into green pastures and besides still waters. I mean, there would be times of laughter and learning and feasting and a lot of praying and serving and caring for others. At least once, there would be extremely choppy waters that became still in an instant at Jesus' command, like a dark, scary valley that suddenly became not so dark and scary at all. And then eventually, we'd see Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And at a certain point, we'd realize that even though we thought we knew what we were signing up for and we thought we had counted the cost of following him, we didn't realize what the cost was. Like, we thought all the talk about taking up a cross was just metaphorical. But no, look, here he is, being betrayed and denied and abandoned by his closest friends and being mocked and then taking up his cross and being marched up onto a hill and being crucified. At some point, what we'd see is that this leader, Jesus, no longer has any followers. The sheep have all fled for higher ground. It's just him in the dark valley all alone. And so we read in Mark that while Jesus is on the cross, there was darkness over the whole land. 
And he tells us that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the first line of Psalm 22. And that Psalm continues, why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Some of you are in the valley this morning. Will you trust your good shepherd to lead you through it? It's significant that Psalm 23 comes right after Psalm 22. Um, It's like, it's like we'll be able to have the kind of hope and trust that we find in Psalm 23 only when we see that Jesus, God himself, has experienced the kind of utter despair and darkness that we find in Psalm 22. It's like Jesus makes Psalm 22 his own so that we can make Psalm 23 our own. The amazing truth of the gospel family is that the good shepherd became a helpless lamb. There was no other shepherd to protect him. He experienced the ultimate God-forsakenness of the cross so that we would never have to. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death without a shepherd so that we would always have our shepherd with us. You know, there's only one valley that could ever be the end for you. And Jesus has already faced it for you in your place. The other valleys you face are real. And they really are deep, dark valleys. But they're not your destination. Um, They are temporary segments on a longer trail your good shepherd will lead you through them. Now, sometimes the valley segments of life are a whole lot longer than we expect them to be and and certainly a whole lot longer than we want them to be, but they are not final. They are not the end. And of course, that's true because not even the last valley of your death is the end. Your good shepherd will lead you through it. In his little book called Thoughts in Solitude, Thomas Merton shares this prayer, which strikes me as a really faithful prayer, especially when we find ourselves in the valley. He prays, my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I'm actually doing so but I believe that the the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear for you are ever with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Family, you have a good shepherd who leads you and that's one of your deepest needs to have a shepherd who goes before you 
and who will absolutely never leave you nor forsake you. When you fail to follow, he doesn't stop being your good shepherd. And he doesn't stop inviting us to follow him. So take up your cross, little flock, and follow the one who loves you like this. In Jesus' name, amen.